Fantastic. So we are talking about generosity today. Um, the Bible is full of stories of radical generosity. Uh, and I think for me, maybe the, the story apart from, obviously, uh, God coming as a man amongst us, uh, the, most, the, the, sto the story I always go back to uh, is one that Mark recounts in his gospel account. So he says, he, he writes that Jesus and his disciples were sitting opposite um, from the treasury box in the temple. And many rich men walked by and gave large sums of money. Then Jesus saw a widow toss in two small copper coins called mites. He called his disciples and told them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Though we don't find out what happens to her, I have no doubt that God provided abundantly for her in her life. And of course, because of her, Christ praised her, and her story is lifted up as this beautiful example of radical generosity. So a little later on, I'm going to ask you to um, reflect on somebody who comes to mind. When you think of the person, a generous person, maybe the most generous person you have ever met, who is that person for you? So I'm just going to plant that seed. Um, uh, so be thinking about that, um, hopefully also listening to what I'm going to say, but we're going to come back to that in just a moment. So think about who is the most generous person you've encountered in your life. So this morning, there's three things I'd like to share. Firstly, I want to share the opportunity for generosity for each of us uh, here at St. Mary's. Secondly, I'd like to talk a little bit about what the Bible, why the Bible encourages us to be generous, why it seems to be this dominant recurring theme that appears again and again. Uh, and finally, I'd like to talk about some guidance that we particularly get from today's passage that Nate just read on how, on what does it look like, on some guidance for us as we seek to be generous in our lives, especially in relation to our wealth. So first, the opportunity for generosity for each of us here at St. Mary's specifically. So really I'm recapping from Nate's sermon last week. Um, and so, I do, so if you've, uh, this, is, this is the kind of thing that bears repetition. So uh, if you heard it again, uh, it'll, this will be a brief summary of what Nate shared last week. So firstly, St. Mary's, it's worth remembering, this is our community. We are all part of this. Uh, church is not a Sunday show uh, sort of put on uh, by the Church of England. It's not a Sunday show put on by Nate and Mary. Uh, we are the church here at St. Mary's. This is about us. This is us. We are the church, the gathered followers of Jesus, meeting to love God, love each other, and serve the world. So in last week's talk, we're talking about the, the fundamental issue of how we maintain this church, um, how we provide for it here at St. Mary's, uh, how we provide for all the things that go on here that support our own spiritual life and growth and support the spiritual life and growth of our children and our young people, but also that supports the excess of 30, I think Nate's even said 35 last week, ministries that we are providing to one another and especially out there 
uh, to our community and the world. Nate reminded us that all we do here uh, at St. Mary's, everything that's going on here, uh, all the service, ministry, and mission uh, for our benefit, for the benefit of our children, for the benefit of our community, is funded by us. No one else funds this. Uh, sometimes people think the Church of England somehow funds this. Well, they don't. If anything, we actually contribute to the Church of England. Uh, so the only people who fund this is us. No one else uh, is involved. Well, we get a little bit of income from Sapphires um, in renting out our church hall, but that's the only other income. All the other income to fund everything we do here comes from us, the community. And I think that's the way it should be. Nate explained, and I think we're going to have a chart, um, if we could just have the chart up, which Nate showed last week. Um, he explained that um, the annual running costs of the church are about £200,000 a year. About 60% of that, the blue bit, um, goes to pay for the salaries of our staff here at St. Mary's, as well as the housing costs for Nate and Mary and their family. Then about 15% goes towards the maintenance, heating and cleaning of this building. Another 15% or so goes towards helping the diocesan teams um, support mission and ministry more widely across Guildford Diocese. Uh, and that, by the way, that includes paying for none other than Richard Lloyd, our former vicar, who is busy doing exactly that, trying to encourage and support churches across Guildford Diocese who are less well off uh, than we are, as well as those who are as well off as we are. Uh, and finally, there's a little bit left over, about 10%, most of which goes to our mission partners, our four wonderful mission partners, as well as to a few other small uh, administrative costs and costs of running some of our, uh, our ministries. And Nate also explained uh, that principally as a result of a few of our congregation moving away, which happens all the time, of course, um, we have a funding shortfall in this current year, currently of about 25,000. So in partnership with God, we trust that together we will find a way to find the full amount, uh, that full 200,000 pounds of annual expenditure, enabling us, uh, enabling all that we do here at St. Mary's to love God, to love each other, and to serve the world. So this is the opportunity I'm putting before you, that Nate and I are putting before you, where we're putting before you, actually, as a, this is our opportunity that we're presenting back to ourselves, an opportunity for generosity for each of us. So secondly, why is the Bible so persistent um, and dogged about encouraging generosity. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul exhorted followers of Jesus to excel in the grace of giving. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive? Do we really believe that this is a grace? This is something that will bless us. Everything in the world, it seems to me, kind of says the reverse, doesn't it? You know, it's all about, you know, life is about accumulating wealth, not giving it away. Spending to meet your own needs and desires. Save all you can for all those future needs, for your comfortable retirement, for unforeseen circumstances grasp wealth, and when you've got it, hold on to it tightly. 
Okay, let's come back to that generous person I ask you to begin to put into your mind. Hopefully you've got somebody in mind. Um, well, bring them to mind. Um, maybe think of something generous. or what, what, what's, what grabbed your attention? What do they do that is so generous? But particularly, what words would you use to describe them to another person? I like to get people chatting when I'm talking. So if you could find a neighbor and just chat, um, particularly about the words that spring to mind when you think of that generous person. Okay, off you go. I'll give you a minute or two. use to describe that generous person to another person? Just a few words. Off you go. I'm listening. We're listening. Humble. Loving. Sorry? Merciful. Thank you. Laura's got something. Sorry. Helpful. I okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to think I'll take that as helpful. Um, Happy. Okay, one more from Natalie. So generous, giving, always giving. Thank you. Uh, so I was chatting to Andrew uh, when, when I asked this at the morning service, and he, he thought he, the words that came to mind for him were joyful and selfless. Uh, and for me, when I think of this, I think of, of the person I'm thinking of is joyful, is bright, is beautiful, uh, is hopeful, is free. Those are the words that spring to mind for me. And it made me think when I was thinking about this um, in, in, in preparing, I don't think that I've ever met an unhappy, generous person. It almost feels like those two are almost opposite things. They, the, the, those two things, happiness and generosity, seem to go together. So why is generosity encouraged so persistently in the Bible? Well, in a nutshell, I think it's just very simply because it's flipping good for us. It's good for us because choosing generosity transforms us. It helps us to grow in Christ-likeness. Uh, so I was kind of wondering, how does this happen, at least from my experience? And, and here are a few thoughts on how I think it happens, at least as the Bible seems to suggest, or does suggest. So firstly, when we give generously, we are reminded that everything we have is God's, not ours. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. We may think it's ours, but it's not. It's actually the Lord's. We're stewards of it. Second, when we give generously, we're reminded of God's abundant generosity to each of us. 
gifting us all of creation to wonder at, to enjoy, to steward, sending his son, Jesus Christ, as we were just singing, to live amongst us, to show us how to live life to the full, to save and restore each of us to everlasting life. God sends his spirit to fill us, the generosity of sending his spirit to fill us and guide us, comfort us, grow us day by day. So God demonstrates to us day in and day out his profligate, his abundant generosity that we can never hope to match. So in the face of this outrageous generosity, our response surely is simply to give generously ourselves. As he gives, as God gives, we then are inspired to give. Generosity becomes, if you like, our joyful response to seeing God's radical generosity for us. We remember John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The only response is radical generosity to radical generosity. Third, when we give generously, we're reminded that the purpose of life is not to build bigger barns. It's not to accumulate wealth, to consume, to own things, to live in comfort, to avoid at any cost adversity and suffering coming anywhere near us. It's not to have all of our needs met, to protect what we have. That's not what life's about. We remember again that life is about loving God. It's about loving each other in word and deed and sign. It's about stewarding the natural world and all around us. It's about championing justice in every sphere of life. Fourth, why is generosity so persistently emphasized in the Bible? When we give generously, we shift it shifts our focus and our attention from ourselves to others. You know, I think most of us, we've probably got 100% of our capacity is available. And if it's all inward looking, it's quite difficult to stop thinking about yourself. But the best way is to displace it by thinking about others. That's what often what psychotherapists and psychologists say. It's what the Bible says too. I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of an introvert. So much of the focus I put on myself is filtered often and I spend a lot of time thinking um, in my own thoughts. But so much of that thinking is often through a negative lens, sadly. My thoughts are often tinged with criticism and stress and doubt and uncertainty and preoccupations that are maybe not very constructive. But when I shift that, one of the best antidotes to that critical thinking is beginning to focus on people around me, thinking generously, giving of my time and energy and resources. Fifth. Why is the Bible so persistent about generosity? Well, when we give generously, we're reminded that we're commanded to place our trust in God first for all of our needs. Too often, I find myself relying on my own strength and wisdom alone. And so I find I, I also hold on to my wealth tightly as a result of that, because I'm not really putting my faith into action and trusting God. In Proverbs 3, we read, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. There's another beautiful story of generosity in the Bible. Um, there's a the story about the widow who fed Elijah. Let me just quickly remind you of that, which is again another is a beautiful story 
of complete faith and trust in God's, in the Lord, in God's provision. So during a drought, uh, God sent Elijah a widow uh, to Zarephath. The prophet met the widow outside the city gate, and as she gathered sticks for a fire, he asked her for a little food and water. The widow explained that she only had a handful of flour and a little oil. She, had only, uh, she and her only son were looking starvation in the eye. Elijah told her, do not fear. Uh, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil ever run dry until the day the Lord sends rains on the earth. It's a bit cheeky, don't you think, uh, of Elijah? Yeah, so I kind of, I think, I kind of think that the the widow would have been completely entitled to say, were you not listening? <laughs> Are you deaf? Um, but believing what God had said, she prepared the last food, the last food in the cupboards and to feed Elijah. This widow had to exercise great faith in God. After all, she and her son could starve to death. But she believed God and he took care of her. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah as we read in 1 Kings 17. So in summary, it seems giving generously is integral to following Jesus. It's integral to growing in Christ-likeness in holiness. So it's integral for us all. And if that were not enough, there's more. There is growing evidence out there in science that giving generously is actually pretty good. It's actually really good for you. Generous people are happier, more joyful people. It's a fact. Uh, so here's a little, a couple of anecdotes, well, one anecdote. So Time magazine reported in a new study uh, in which researchers from the University of Zurich in Switzerland told a bunch of people they'd be receiving about $100 over a few weeks. Half the people were asked to commit to spending that money on themselves, uh, and the other half was asked to spend it on someone else. Those who had agreed to spend money on other people tended to make more generous decisions throughout the experiment compared to those who had agreed to spend them on themselves. They also had more interactions between the parts of the brain associated with altruism and happiness, and they reported higher levels of happiness after the experiment was over. When you start looking on the internet, there is research everywhere on this. Uh, just, it's, if, if you've got time afterwards, go, go home, Google uh, research into generosity. Older people who are generous tend to have better health. Spending money on others can be as effective at lowering blood pressure as medication or exercise. I bet you didn't know that. Helping others reduce stress. High generosity people are 23% more likely to be satisfied with their lives overall, but they were also happier with their relationships, their jobs, their possessions, and more. Generosity is like a muscle. It really does seem to be like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets, the more it changes you. So I've noted here, conclusion to myself. Next time I think about the best way to make myself feel a little bit better, when maybe I'm feeling a little bit down, when I'm in that mental, those mental gymnastics I play with myself, uh, and I think I'm going to go and buy a cappuccino, a blueberry muffin, and maybe a nice new shirt. I need to consider that the opposite is most likely true. Skip the coffee, fast food, and new clothes, Matthew. Deny yourself and give instead. Well, there you go. Giving generously really is good for you. It seems Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
So finally, what guidance does the Bible offer us on how to give? Well, that's, we're going to come to the passage. So Paul uh, speaks a lot to the Corinthian church. This is a particularly wealthy church, but he, was, he spoke a lot to them uh, in his letters to, and he explicitly and clearly encourages them into a lifestyle of radical generosity. So not, not in the passage we read, but in 1 Corinthians, he writes this. Uh, he's basically saying, uh, look guys, look, you've got to give in ways that are planned, proportional, and private. So he says, do what I told, he says to the Corinthian church, do what I told the Galatians to do. So clearly this is not just the Corinthians. He obviously tells every church this little message. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made in public. So again, give in ways that are planned, intentional, give ways that are proportional to your income, and gives ways in private. In the passage we read today, he says, give generously. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Because when you do, because what you reap is proportionate to the amount you sow. The more you sow, the more you reap. Paul says, give thoughtfully when you give. Give thoughtfully. 2 Corinthians 9, we read, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. That means praying about it, seeking God about this, thinking ahead about it, planning for this, uh, giving out of your first fruits, not what's left over at the end. And be led by the Spirit as he speaks into our hearts and into our minds. Finally, Paul says, give cheerfully and not reluctantly. He applauds the Macedonian church. In the midst of a very severe trial, he writes, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. He writes, Paul writes again in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's the invitation to give thankfully and joyfully. And indeed, if, if you are giving out of guilt or obligation or duty, I'd almost encourage you not to give. Let's almost go back to this teaching that invites us to give out of joy, out of abundance, uh, out of thankfulness. And Paul closes this little passage saying, and in their prayers for you, your hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Have you ever thought about generosity that way? This indescribable gift. So, we've talked about the immediate financial needs of this, our church, our gathered community here at St. Mary's. An opportunity for us all. Uh, we've talked about why generous giving is so emphasized by Jesus, by Paul, throughout the Bible because it's good for us, it transforms us, it grows us in Christ-likeness and in holiness. 
um, we learned that medicine and science is catching up too and discovering this indeed is true. And we've reflected on what Paul taught the Corinthians church and us, and I think is teaching us today, on how we might give. Giving generously and thoughtfully and cheerfully and never out of guilt. For followers of Jesus, I think there are few more valuable, important, immediate and connected ways to give uh, generously than to our own local church that we are part of. The local community of followers of Jesus who together are seeking to love God, to love each other and to serve the world. After all, it is through this community of brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ that God is moving by his spirit to grow us, to encourage us, to affirm each of us, to sustain each of us, to guide each of us and to love each of us. So let us be inspired maybe by the first local church, the prototypical local church uh, in the book of Acts. If we read in uh, the end of um, Acts 2, just after Peter has preached a sermon to the crowds. Uh, thousands come to faith that day and the first local church, if you like, is planted. And we read about that local church in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4, some of their patterns of behavior. But one of the most remarkable ones uh, is their generosity. And it seems that both, the, that one of the fundamental works of the Spirit uh, in, the, in the life of that early church uh, was the cultivation of a community that took a radically different stance towards the deployment of resources. And this really was radically different at the time. The early church, this first local church, was marked out by radical, beautiful, attractive, mesmerizing generosity. We read in, two, in Acts chapter 2, all the believers were together and they held everything in common. This was the idea of the common purse. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who in need in their midst and in their community. We read in Acts a little bit later in Acts chapter 4, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with one another. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. 